Hello, and welcome to episode 135 of the CogniCast, a podcast by Cognitech Inc. about software and the people who create it. This week, we have the first of two special episodes recorded at the 2017 Conj. At the Conj, hosts Tim Baldridge and Karen Meyer spent some time on the hallway track and came away with a number of conversations with the people who make the Conj the Conj. But before we get started, we do have a few announcements. There's a Closure Bridge event coming up this week in San Francisco on December 15th and 16th at the offices of Circle CI. If you don't know, Closure Bridge is an all-volunteer organization dedicated to increasing diversity in the closure community. They provide free introductory workshops focusing on web development with closure to underrepresented groups. Go to closurebridge.org for all the details. Looking a little further ahead, the Enclosure Conference is happening on the 12th and 13th of January in Bangalore, India. Details are at enclosure.org. That's I-N-C-L-O-J-U-R-E.org. The Closure Sync 2018 conference is happening on February 15th and 16th in one of my favorite places in the whole world, New Orleans, Louisiana. Go on over to ClosureSync.com, that's C-L-O-J-U-R-E-S-Y-N-C.com for more information. And finally, the Closure D conference is happening on February 24th in Berlin, Germany. Go on over to www.closured.de, that's C-L-O-J-U-R-E-D.de for more information. Well, that's about it. So on the Karen and Tim and the folks of the Conj and episode 135 of the Cognicast. Let's start by, what is your name? Hi, I'm Stuart Sierra. Oh, excellent. And uh, who do you work for? <laughs> I work for, as of uh, fairly recently, Clubhouse.io. Excellent. And, and we, we've heard your name before. So who were you with before Clubhouse? Uh, I was at Cognitech for uh, a number of years before that. Excellent. And what, what, does, what does Clubhouse do? Clubhouse is uh, project management software. Uh, so. Project tracking, stories, epics, uh, milestones, things like that, uh, aimed primarily at software development teams, and uh, has a backend written in Clojure and using Datomic. Excellent. All right, so I get to talk too, which is really cool because usually, like on the Cognicast or anything we do, it's always like one on one because like I'm in my I'm in my room in Cincinnati and you're in I don't know your home in New York yes. usually. <laughs> so this is nice that we can all sit at the same table and we could even have banter. Yeah. It'd be crazy. We could actually have banter going on. <laughs> but I feel like you, you should be on a morning news show, the two of you. It'd just be like a uh, uh, nice, nice, uh, nice paragraph. The morning Joe with Tim and Karen or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have my coffee. And there we go. There I could be the silly one. I don't know. Exactly. But <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the conference, how has it been so far? It's, it's good. I've, uh, I've enjoyed it. Closure definitely feels established. I mean, this is the 10th anniversary, so it's it's not going away. And there's none of that 
sort of nervousness in the very early years. We were all thinking, oh, is this going to happen again? Is this the only one? Um, uh, I don't think anyone's too deeply worried about that now. Uh, and in, instead, there's uh, uh, people uh, excited about doing new things or how sort of bringing closure into places that we never would have imagined it would go. Big businesses, uh, banks, I mean, places doing machine learning. Uh, it's, it's showing up in all kinds of places. So that's really cool to see. For Closure's birthday, I guess, yes. if you have some birthday wishes for Closure or, or I don't know, what, what, what are you, what parts of Closure are you personally especially thankful for? Oh gosh, uh, let's see. Uh, happy birthday, Closure. May all your data structures never be mutated. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> so I also have to put up, um, well, bring up in, um, uh, in the side, in the, in the hallway conversations, I have had somebody come up and say, Stuart's talk was so great. He was so <laughs> dramatic and, uh, or not dramatic, but it, you just yeah. you engage the audience in such a, a, a fun way. So I, I mentioned them, they didn't know this, that, but, and I don't know if the listeners know that you have a background, right, in, yes. in the theater. I think I've mentioned this. Have you? Uh, okay. On the podcast. okay. Maybe uh, one of the early episodes with Craig. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, I do have a degree in theater uh, from undergrad, uh, and I've never done anything with it other than give conference talks at technical conferences. So that is the sum and total of my uh, acting career. And so your talk for, I mean, sure, I'm sure it'll be up on YouTube and, and others can, uh, can watch it, but uh, give us a quick rundown. What was it about yes. and what prompted you to write this talk? Because it was somewhat unique. Right, yes, this is fun. Uh, so the talk uh, I gave was called Homo Iconicity. It is what it is. And it was about the history, sort of digging into the history of this term, homo iconic, and how it was coined and how it's been applied to different programming languages and trying to figure out what it actually means. Uh, and this, uh, I got interested in this uh, several years ago because I worked with, uh, I think, a couple of different teams where people would, uh, were people who were using Clojure and had, were uh, proficient at, at writing Clojure, uh, and they would, use the term homo-iconic in ways that uh, I at least thought had nothing whatsoever to do with what it actually means. So I thought clearly, even though this term gets used uh, somewhat often, uh, it's definitely not at all clear what it is, what it means. Not People don't have a, a good shared understanding of, of what the term actually means. So uh, that was basically what the talk was about, is uh, digging into where it came from and different definitions that have been given to it and eventually my definition for what I think uh, would help people understand it. Excellent. Yeah, and I was surprised to find that that it's not as clear-cut as any no, of us would like. It's, it really does. That was the, the fun part is that as I started researching it, I found early papers from the 60s uh, and, and on that first mentioned the term and even they have different different definitions for it so it's it was never really that consistent and it never had a uh, a, a rigorous definition like uh, uh i don't know algebraic properties like associativity and commutativity those have very well known uh very well established definitions uh homo iconicity is 
of pretty vaguely defined uh, and always has been. But I made my attempt at uh, muddling up the problem a little bit further in my talk. Yeah, in fact, I was I was shocked to find out at one point in the in the talk that the man who coined the term homo iconicity yes. was gave it as a suggestion to um, someone who is actually working on a, pro, a program of that. Yes. And then the majority of that man's work was done in the the mid to late 1800s. I mean, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's it's surprising. It yeah, that only yeah, only two or three generations ago, uh, this stuff was was being created. But that you know, that, that was the Ameri middle of the American Civil War, roughly. You know, yeah, quite, well, I mean, a little yeah, bit. Eighteen eighties. Yeah, but his first paper, I think, was was like eighteen sixty four yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's incredible. That yeah, weird uh, history fact there, I guess. But um, excellent, and Karen. You have you have some more questions. <laughs> well, I, I just have a comment on the the homo. Iconicity. Yes. It's how do you pronounce it? Did I pronounce it right? Because I'm always. I mean, uh, it's again, it's one of those words that almost only appears in print. Okay. People yeah. don't converse about it very often uh, unless they're weird to give talks like me. Um, I say homo iconic or homo iconic. Homo iconic. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you could come up with other ways to pronounce okay. it. Okay. I always want, I'm a little bit. Because mostly when I was teaching closure to myself, like yeah. in my in my room, you read all these words, right? And I'm like, I have I have the idea of how I say them internally, but I have yeah. no idea how everybody else says them. I think one one of the classic ones was a sosh versus a sock for me. Yeah, I've heard both of those. People say people say it differently. Yeah, yeah. So that was really bugging me, right? Yeah. I, that was like because uh, I would work one place and they'd be like sosh, and then I'd work another place and they'd be a sock. Yeah. So, um, uh, so it bugged me so much that I guess I wrote a blog post at one time, like just kind of right. like tongue in cheek. Right. I was like, which yeah. way, which way do you see it? it? And then Rich chimed in. He's like, it's a soch. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I don't know. Well, I mean, I said for the first couple of years, I think I said closure. I pronounced <laughs> the language with a, a harder J to distinguish it from the concept of a closure. Oh, that's kind of cool. And it makes then, sense. Uh, someone probably Rich said, no, it's intended to be pronounced the same way. Uh, <laughs> With homo iconicity, I, I, I take the position that I even forget where I've heard this, but, but the the viewpoint is uh, say it confidently and like you know what you're talking about and no one will question exactly. you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think that's, yeah. that's all the questions I have. Thank you for joining us Thanks for this short much. amount of time. My and uh, it was uh, fun to be back on the Cognicast. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> So we'll just start with your name. Okay, my name is Dom. Okay, and, and who do you work for? Uh, my partner and I have a small consultancy called Peren. Excellent. And what do you? Uh, what languages do you work in? And uh, well, uh, given the name, I think it's not a surprise. Uh, mostly Clojure and Clojure Script. We do web and mobile apps. Uh, been doing React Native, uh, one big React Native project for about a year now. Yeah. Excellent. I actually spoke about that at Clojure West. Oh, so. wonderful. What was it the name of the talk? Or that is a good question. Uh, it was something very generic, like Clojure Script, GraphQL, and React Native, or something mm -hmm. like that. I think that'll be good enough for it Google. Was, it was quite descriptive. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> what what number conj is this for you? This is my first conj, uh, okay. third Clojure conference. Okay, yeah. great. So, what, what do you think? Uh, what, what what are your favorite one of your favorite parts so far? Or? Um, 
probably the people. The hallway track is usually the best track. Um, I mean, not to disparage the actual tracks. Just <laughs> you can watch those on YouTube, and Alex Miller obviously does like an absolutely incredible job getting those up so quickly. Uh, but you know, it's a rare treat to be able to interact with hundreds of closureists from all over the world. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, so we're, we're wishing um, happy birthday to Clojure. Uh, so if you want to wish Clojure a happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> or tell us the one yeah. thing that you really appreciate about that. Like, what's your favorite yeah. aspect of the language? Um, that is a good question. I don't know if I have a single favorite. Uh, OK, so it, uh, regarding the first point, um, happy birthday, Clojure. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I originally got into Clojure because I wanted to learn a Lisp. Paul Graham says it changes the way you think, and I wanted to change the way I thought, which I guess sounds weird spoken out loud, but yes. Uh, enclosure seemed like the most pragmatic choice. Oddly enough, I mean, I think that I like the fact that it's Lisp a lot, it's very elegant, but probably having everything be immutable by default uh, and like very opinionated within the community that things should be like that um, has a lot of nice, very, very positive effects that I was not expecting at all, but turned out to be possibly my favorite part of it. Very cool. Well, is there anything that uh, you want to talk about that you're excited about? Sure. I, so uh, I've been trying to get more of the Clojure community to uh, get into GraphQL, as you know, the, the talk that I had uh, done at Clojure West um, hit on, I suppose. So I, I don't have a specific project uh, regarding that, but uh, we do have a GraphQL channel on Clojureans. And, uh, I think it's a largely misunderstood thing uh, that I fear that the ClojureScript community is sort of falling behind the curve on this and really just makes UIs an order of magnitude easier to deal with. Uh, so I would highly encourage um, anyone who's grappling with data management uh, and building applications in ClojureScript to very much consider uh, that as a possible solution and obviously feel free to reach out to me wherever. Uh, I'm. Can I say my sure. name? Oh, so, please, yeah. uh, Dom KM uh, on Clojureans, Twitter, et cetera. So happy to feel any questions for anyone interested in it. Fantastic. Great. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out to talk with us. Thank you. All right. Let's uh, start with your name. I'm Kim Foster. And who do you work for? I work for Cognitech, <laughs> proudly. <laughs> and, and what do you do uh, at Cognitech and here at the Conch? So my main job at Cognitech is recruiting, and obviously recruiters like to be at big events where we get to meet people. So over the years, I have kind of morphed from just attending and, and manning the sponsor table and talking to all the people that are here into actually a business role with managing the con. So I work with Lynn, um, not only organizing and, and taking care of some of the logistics, but also um, managing some of the business side of the con. So how many conches have you been to so far? My first con was 2012. So it's 2017, I guess. That makes six, I guess. Nice, nice. Yeah. But also, you've been to uh, your closures, right? Yeah, and I and Closure West. Closure West. Yeah. Um, for the, I've been to every Euro closure since 
Cognitect assume responsibility for that. And um, likewise, I think I've been to every Closure West since Cognitect assumed responsibility. So, um, and I don't remember the dates on those. <laughs> <laughs> so putting, helping to run and organize a conference um, must be challenging. It takes a lot of organization and you know, Lynn has lots of the logistics down to a science at this point. So a lot of my role is just um, okaying decisions and, and talking about things and, and working as an interface with Justin and Rich and Stu on, on what the conferences are going to look like every year. I would like to say one thing about the con. When when I first started, um, I started. I came on board as a contractor at Cognitech in September of 2012. So it was right before that con, and I had been an executive recruiter where conferences were a huge part of of my role, where um, everyone was there to sell something or to hire someone. So my first con. I, I got ready for that kind of con conference, and Lynn was like, no, no, you can't do that. And I was like, what do you mean I can't have swag? And she's like, no, we really don't do that at Conj. And that was a truth in 2012. There were sponsors, but they, it, it was all about learning, and the sponsors were very low-key. So basically, I gave away candy and got to know the community, which was very useful in my first year with the company. And it's really exciting to see how much more commercial closure has become because let's face it, we all do some of this to earn a living. So to see people here recruiting great people and making good business deals or starting the relationship that leads to good business deals and to see it evolve from none of that to where we are today, that's been really exciting to me because I, I see that as a sign of how closure has grown as a viable language. I've never thought of it that way. So, so the 2012 conj was my first conj as well, right, right. after I was uh, hired. And, um, and I had never thought of that, but it's true back in that day, you couldn't name, uh, there, was, there, was no, there was no major company willing to stick closure on their name or right. anywhere near it, uh, just because it, all this stuff was, was all so new. And, and, and now we have booths out there, there with people that you know, are actively not just recruiting, but saying, you know, this, um, come look at the awesome things we're doing with closure. Right. And, and, uh, and, and yet somehow we've maintained one aspect of that, which I like is that there's not a whole lot of sales talks, uh, is as far right. as in the conference itself. I mean, outside there's, there's, there's tables and booths with people that'll talk to you, but, but within the, the talks themselves, it's, it's still that learning. Right, and I think that's such a good balance because to be able to offer the learning and the opportunity to do business in the same place is, yeah, exactly. is really an effective use of people's time. And that's kind of the, the duality of these conferences is you're coming to learn but also coming to talk to people and hopefully mm -hmm. um, get your name out there or you know figure out about companies that are um, doing what you like. So. Exactly. So. Well, those are some great observations. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. Okay. <laughs> so let's start with your name. Uh, my name is Ryan Neufeld. And who do you work for? 
I work for myself, a company called Homegrown Labs, and I've uh, been working for a while now with Funding Circle, having a blast making uh, UIs and ClojureScript. Excellent. And so, um, uh, you, do you do consulting then, it sounds like? or, or? Yeah, I've been consulting for a while. I was actually with Cognitech previously to know that, and uh, since I moved back to Canada a few years ago, I've been consulting on my own and uh, really enjoying it. Excellent. So what conch is this for you? Like what number? Do you know? This is number six. How many have there been? Ten? So I think I've done all but the first two. Wow. Interesting that my daughter is actually, she's seven, she's been to four. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the startup young gets some good influence. Yeah, in good life. influence. Exactly. So what's been the favorite part of the conch for you so far? I think my favorite part of every conch is coming and seeing all the folks that I don't get the opportunity to see working remotely in Canada. Uh, there's so many people from Cognitech in the community that are nice to catch up with. Uh, it's probably my favorite part. Fantastic. Yeah, so we're coming on happy happy birthday, Conj. Uh, well, happy birthday, Closure. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just wondering if there's a favorite part of the language that really resonates with you that um, you enjoy. That's a tough question. Uh, what are the parts that resonate I really enjoy? I actually have to say, probably the one of my favorite things about Clojure is uh, the uniformity of the data structures and how it makes data processing, which is a huge part of almost every application, just trivial in many cases. Cool. So, uh, anything you are excited about, like right now? I'm really excited for where ClojureScript is going and integrating with other modules, and uh, it's gotten a lot better. And there's still some pains in integrating with uh, some funky JavaScript modules, but. Definitely seeing the power there of being able to pull in things from that ecosystem too, just like we can pull things in from Java on the closure side. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I remember when it, when it first came out, it was it was kind of like, well, um, we have this powerful compiler, but the kind of the, the side of it, the bad side of it too, was that they had the modules had to be structured in a specific way if you were to pull in other libraries and that sort of thing. So that sounds like that's changed a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's getting better. Uh, the project I'm working on isn't able to jump to the absolute newest and, and pull things in, but uh, projects like CLJS, JS have been invaluable, and, and we've used those to wrap some pretty complicated JavaScript packaging. Uh, I just do lots of silly things there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. So so it sounds like you do a lot of JavaScript uh, work then, or closure script, I mean, closure. Yeah, no, I, it was it was fun. I had uh, I'd had some experience early on uh, helping out run the Pedestal app, community management, and I played with uh, ClojureScript there. And then when it came to the conversation of uh, working with Funding Circle, it was kind of a, a very honest, you know, I've done UI work, but I haven't uh, done really any ClojureScript UI work. And so I had the excellent opportunity of getting hired on on the premise of that I should become a ClojureScript expert. And, and so what do you guys use, uh, if you don't mind me asking, for on the ClojureScript side for like framework? Yeah, so we're building out an administration UI in my team uh, and a couple other teams right now, and that's built on top of Reframe. Uh, interestingly enough, it actually is an Ohm Next app that runs Reframe. Uh, we originally started with Ohm Next and found it wasn't quite working out the way uh, we were building our application. And instead of having to rewrite something that was already significantly uh, along the way, we could actually start writing new pages in Reframe with a very tiny shim, and then as we've gone through and kind of refactored pieces, we can pull out parts as needed. 
Yeah, that's an interesting uh, aspect of, of React that I, I haven't fully grasped, but I've seen hinted at several places, that because all these things use React under, underneath, that you can kind of, to some extent, mix and match, uh, put one control on another. Oh, yeah, the, the shim is tiny. It's really just reifies the correct protocols that need to happen for Ohm Next, and you pass in the function that is your component, and that's it. That's fantastic. Yeah, so you're using FigWheel? We are. Oh, yeah. well, no, we were using Bootfiggle for a while. Actually, we were using oh. Boot.js. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, and we've we've hemmed and hawed back and forth. Uh, mm. Boot is really nice uh, in a lot of ways, especially in writing tasks. It's just absolutely fantastic. Actually, I've got oh, it's only your, your shirt, right nice. Now. It's a U-bolt with the Boot Cat oh, coming nice. out the top. And we are. I gotta roll back. You gotta repeat the question. <laughs> Uh-huh. We were talking about FigWheel. FigWheel, if you're using oh, okay. FigWheel as tooling, yeah. Yeah, so we've been using Boot, and the tasks have been fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the places where it doesn't do as well, and we have a big project, and the immutable data sets getting passed around a lot uh, can slow things down a little bit. So yeah. we've been interested in seeing uh, what things look like with Line and FigWheel, but uh, mm -hmm. we, we are pretty invested in Boot. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time to talk with us. Well, that wasn't very hard at all. No, no. <laughs> we're nice people. <laughs> I was going to ask about, um, before we turn it off, about poutine in Canada. Yes. Do, is there poutine in Canada where you are? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. There's okay. a, a place in Winnipeg called Smokes Poutinery, yeah. and they have poutine of all different types. So you can get pretty much, it's pretty much like nachos. You can load it up however you want. Yeah, this, this is a... This is so awesome. at this point, I... Um, I have no idea what poutine is, and at this so, point, I'm afraid to ask. So poutine is like, if, if you're on a diet, this is like the the, the last thing you ever yeah. want to eat. This is not something you eat regularly. It's it's fries, cheese curds, and gravy. Oh. <laughs> that's that's amazing, and it's really tasty. <laughs> it sounds like it. I am just amazed that it's never really caught on big in the state. I mean, with all the fat that you know, <laughs> that the state people in the states like. It's a highly it's efficient like, food. <laughs> a lot it's, of energy. But it's really, really tasty. Oh. Uh, but yeah, I, but it should. If you ever go up to Canada, you gotta try you it because it's it's and crazy good. Tim Hortons in the morning, poutine in the evening. <laughs> right. That's, that's all I know about Canada. It's quality coffee. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, thank, thanks again for being yeah, on no with problem. us. John Newman. John Newman. Okay, excellent. And, and who do you work for? Yet Analytics in Baltimore, right here. Oh, excellent. Oh, wonderful. So what what does your company do? So Yet Analytics is focused in the education space. I'm not supposed to say EdTech. Apparently we pivoted from that. I'm the newest uh, member at Yet Analytics, so about three months. And what we do primarily is build an LRS. It's a learning record store that is compliant with the XAPI specification and allows um, many different learning management systems to talk the same language. So everyone has the same student ID and stuff like that. Oh, excellent. And so do you use Clojure there? We do. We're a full Clojure shop. Yeah. Uh, excellent. And Datomic. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And how long have you guys been using Clojure and Datomic? Like I said, I'm the newest member there, but uh, we've been open for about four and a half years, and I think three and a half years is how long we've pivoted from Ruby. Yeah. Cool. So, good a little while. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, is this, how, what, what conj is this for you? This is technically my first conj. Nice, yeah. nice. But so I've it, been in the community for a long time. Okay, so what, what do you think so far? I'm loving it, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I've actually seen quite a few videos from people 
his conscience. So, uh, seems like uh, part of the course, and this is like more of like a retrospective, 10 year anniversary, so I'm really enjoying that. Yeah, on, the, on those terms, uh, if you're gonna wish happy birthday to Closure, like what, what would be your uh, favorite part of Closure, Ryan, that you personally connect with, I guess? Well, uh, honestly, I've been around Enclosure since like the beginning, since 2007. Wow. A long time. Yeah. And so I thought about this recently, and I think uh, there, was, there was a lot of selling points to Closure when the, uh, Rich first released it, um, concurrency, stuff like that. I think in retrospect, the biggest selling point has been just like the dialect itself has been such a pleasure to use, just to, to speak Italian, uh, that that's kind of one of the, like I, what I like to say is that uh, I'll program in, program in any language as long as closure transpiles to it. So, you know, it's exactly. kind of the dialect that I like. So, yeah, but you know, there's all the other stuff too, the immutability, but um, yeah, the dialect. Wonderful. If you, if you, of the talks and stuff you've watched so far, what, what have you picked up on that you've really liked or what's kind of been your favorite part of the conference so far? Um, I'm kind of excited about the the, the tool, the CLJ tool, I'm hoping that that brings some, I think one of the pain points for closure is the tooling. Um, just kind of the stuff that it takes for a, a beginner to, to get up and running. And I'm hopeful that the CLJ tool is, you know, gets us down that road. Excellent. Yeah. Wonderful. Any, any other questions? Um, anything you specifically want to like talk about? Yeah, there's just one thing I've been yeah. working on. I was hoping I'd have the opportunity to talk about yeah, it, but sure. I couldn't finish uh, the library in time. But um, I'm working on this library called Tau, T-A-U, and mm -hmm. uh, it tries to port some of Clojure proper's concurrency abstractions to the browser, to ClojureScript. Mm -hmm. And um, because there's an asynchronous boundary between um, web workers mm -hmm. in the browser, uh, there's certain things I could not accomplish. Uh, STM is pretty much impossible, and synchronous atoms between uh, web workers was not possible. Agents are asynchronous anyway, so I have something working that's pretty much agent-like in the browser. But um, now, just two months ago, uh, both Chrome and Firefox have released a new feature called Shared Array Buffers, hmm. which is a just a very simple uh, array buffer shared between workers and it's kind of rudimentary so not a, there's an atomics API on top of it but you can only update a single cell of the array at a time. I'm working through that right now but I'd like to have hopefully synchronous shared atoms between workers maybe STM in the near future. That's really great. cool. Great. Yeah and I, I'm a firm believer that uh, it's going to be a long time before JavaScript developers create abstractions in the browser that really are able to leverage the shared array buffer between workers in a manageable way for your JavaScript developers. And we already have a story for that closure. So I'm hopeful that um, we'll have something for the, to help pull the JavaScript developers over. Cool. Oh, excellent. So you said the name was Tao? Tao, yeah. All right, excellent. I'll keep an eye out for that. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks. This has been a Cognicast coming to you from the Conj. Thanks for listening.
You have been listening to the CogniCast. The CogniCast is brought to you by Cognitech. We are a team of thoughtful, experienced technologists. Our passion is helping organizations from the smallest startups to the Fortune 50 deploy technology effectively and humanely. We are here to help you build better futures. You can find us on the web at Cognitech.com and on Twitter at at Cognitech. You can subscribe to the Cognicast, listen to past episodes, and view cover art, show notes, and episode transcripts at our home on the web, Cognitech.com slash Cognicast. You can contact the show by tweeting at Cognicast or emailing us at podcast at Cognitech.com. Our guests this week were Dom Kiva Meyer, who is at DomKM on Twitter. That's at D-O-M-K-M. And Kim Foster, who is Kim at Cognitech.com. And John Newman, who is, well, something on Twitter. It is at D-O-X-O-P-H-O-I. And Ryan Newfeld, who is on Twitter at at R-K Newfeld, which is at R-K-N-E-U-F-E-L-D. And finally, my old buddy, Stuart Sierra, at Stuart Sierra on Twitter. That's at S-T-U-A-R-T-S-I-E-R-R-A. Our hosts this week were Karen Meyer, who is at GigaSquid on Twitter. That's at G-I-G-A-S-Q-U-I-D. And Tim Baldridge, who is at Tim Baldridge on Twitter. That's at T-I-M-B-A-L-D-R-I-D-G-E. Episode cover art is by Michael Parento. Audio production is by Russ Olson, Joe Smith, and Jarrett Binford. The Cognicast is produced by Kim Foster. Our theme music is Thumbs Up for Rock and Roll by Kill the Noise with Feed Me. I'm Russ Olson. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 